Would you pray with me? Father, we do ask that you would pour out your spirit upon us so that we might uh, hear and understand and apply your word to our lives. Would you come and transform us through your words this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, please be seated. So I don't know if this is true for you. I don't know that if you have noticed this, but it is true for me. I spend an inordinate amount of time making plans for the future. You know, I mean, it goes back a long ways. You know, back when we were in school, or if you're in school now, you make plans to get into uh, that right job, that right college. You're making education decisions. If you're in the workforce, you're trying to find just the right job, and you're trying to stay in just the right job, maybe keep just the right job. And if you are uh, getting closer to retirement, you're making retirement plans, right? And going, uh, I'm always looking ahead. This is something that is ingrained in us from the moment the teacher asks the question, when you grow up, what do you want to be, right? And there was a teacher who asked a little boy named Johnny this very famous question. Johnny, what do you want to be when you grow up? To which Johnny replied in a very 21st century way, I want to be the CEO of a multi-billion dollar tech company, just like my father. To which the teacher was surprised. She was really impressed. Wow, Johnny, I didn't realize that your father was the CEO of a billion-dollar tech company. Johnny quickly clarified himself. He's not, but he also wants to be when he grows up. I dare say that some of us in the room, no matter where you are in the age spectrum, some of you are still trying to figure out just what you want to be when you grow up. What will you do with your future? And will it matter? Rachel and I recently, um, we rented, we subscribed to Disney+. Plus. We subscribed for one month. Sorry, Disney. There's just not that much that we want to watch. We watched three things. We watched WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and we finished with a rousing rendition of the musical Hamilton. Now, I don't know if you've seen Hamilton, but there is this song early on in the play, and it's sort of the chorus line that comes back, and it's a song called My Shot. And Hamilton sings this uh, about himself, to himself, and to everybody else, and says that he can overcome his humble beginnings and make a change in the world through his own grit and determination. Does that relate to anybody? You're like, I can do this. And the chorus line is, I'm not throwing away my shot. And it echoes throughout the musical. Isn't that the truth? We all want to leave our mark and make a difference. See, that desire is under the anxiety that we feel about getting into the right colleges or finding the right job or even the uncertainty we feel when we look back upon our life and wonder, did I do the right things for the world or for my family and especially for my kids? We don't want to have thrown away. We don't want to throw away our shot. What if I told you this morning that most Christians are throwing away their shot at changing 
the world. We're missing the only true way of living a life of any significance. And it is the question, it's the answer to the question, what on earth are we here for? And you can find the answer in today's passage from Luke's gospel. Jesus tells the disciples, he tells us what to expect and what is expected. Jesus says that in him, because he is resurrected, you have a new status, you have a new authority, and you have new responsibilities. Here's what's happening. Word is spreading to those gathered that evening in the room on the first Easter. They'd heard about the women who were perplexed at the empty tomb. They had gotten word from the two men on the road to Emmaus who uh, met Jesus. They had been miserable on the road to Emmaus. They had thought, oh my goodness, we had hoped, but now our hopes are dashed that Jesus would have been the one who saved us. And now Jesus appears to the confused disciples in the room. I imagine they were a mixture of emotions, right? Continued sadness that Jesus' death, a little excited about the possibilities that he might be alive, and a degree of uncertainty both in the present moment and for the future of what all this might mean. And it's in moments like these when you are perplexed, when you feel miserable about the past and you are confused about the future, that Jesus shows up and God answers your needs. And this is exactly what happened in today's passage. Not only does Jesus show up to prove that he is fully alive, but he tells them how to fully live. And the same is true for us today. To be fully alive, you must fully live. So I want you to notice a couple of things. First is that you can expect Jesus to reveal himself to you. He shows up behind a locked door and reveals himself to the disciples and the reality of his resurrected body. He invites the disciples to touch him and to see him He's trying to prove that he is not a spirit, that he is not a ghost, that he is really alive. And the disciples, because he does this, the disciples are now witnesses to the greatest miracle in the history of the world. They have witnessed the resurrected body. And just in case they thought, well, you know what, you can make the skin. You know, he, he asked for a piece of fish. So, you know, like if you're watching Ghostbusters and a piece of fish eats, you know, or, or a ghost eats a piece of fish, it just falls right through them, right? Well, Jesus just making sure, look, hey, I'm going to eat this fish and it's not going to fall through me. I am really alive. Second, he brings about a new reality. A new reality which involves peace. He says, peace to you. Because he is resurrected, because he is alive, you can have true peace. You can have peace with God. 
Now, Chris, he preached, uh, our associate, or our senior pastor, Chris Warner, our, he preached an incredible sermon last Sunday on this very topic. And I'm not going to labor the point today, but encourage you to go back, if you weren't here, to go back to holycross.net slash sermons, or go to your podcast app and download the sermon from last week. It is worth it. But I'll simply say this, because Jesus died for your sins, because he lives and is resurrected, you can have forgiveness, you can have peace with God. Real life is found in Jesus, and that is how we find peace. But today, this this is neither the end of our story today, nor the end of our passage. He brings peace, he brings a new reality, he shows himself But the real story is just beginning. Jesus has a specific plan for their future and for ours as well. For three years, the disciples have been learning from him. They have been growing. And now the question is, what are they becoming? What will they do now that they are grown up? Will they live into this new career that Jesus is establishing for them? Because what is true for them is also true for us. Their call is our call. For them to be fully alive in Christ, they must fully live into this purpose. And for you to be fully alive, you must fully live into his plan as well. So in the resurrection, Jesus points to three new things that Christians have in him. And each one is essential to living a full life in him. The first thing you have is this. You have a new status. When you believe, when the reality of the resurrection, peace with God, becomes your reality through your faith, your belief in him, you enter into a new spiritual dynamic and you have a new status. Jesus says in verse 49, that's our last one. We're going to be working slightly backwards from the last verse. He says this, I am sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He is referring to the Holy Spirit and is essentially saying this, that the nature of the church, the nature of the Christian is spiritual. I mean, we are still physical beings in the world, but he's saying that your nature has changed. You've undergone a spiritual change and you are now clothed in power. Everything that you do in Christ, everything you do in the world, everything you do in the church is made possible because the Holy Spirit is now at home in your heart. When Paul says in Philippians 4 that I can do all things through him who gives me strength or who strengthens me, he is referring to the work of the Holy Spirit. You can do all things because Jesus at this moment for the disciples and for every Christian when you come to faith, Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit to live in you and makes it possible for you to do everything that he wills. You have a new status. Second, he gives you a new authority. The apostles there in verse 48, this is what Jesus says of them. You are witnesses to all these things. The authority of your lives, of our lives, is based upon the disciples, the apostles' witness. Right? 
We heard it in John's letter today that uh, Joyce read for us. That which we have seen, this is the Apostle John writing, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you so that you may have fellowship with us. The apostles, they saw Jesus' wounds. They touched them. They heard his teaching. And they, by the work of the Holy Spirit through them, recorded it in the words of the Bible. And your authority, your new authority as a Christian, is based upon their witness, is based upon the Scriptures. Which is why the church has always emphasized the necessity, the importance of reading the word of God. Not just on Sunday morning when you show up here, but reading the word of every day in your home and learning from him. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us to understand what God says in the scriptures. You have a new authority in your life that supersedes everything else third you're third you're given a new responsibility you have an evangelistic purpose this is the job the career if you will for every christian disciple all of these things are taking place the spirit is given the apostolic witness is given and recorded so that in verse 47, repentance for the forgiveness of sins may be proclaimed in Jesus' name to all nations. Jesus is giving us his, the career of the Christian. He's giving you his Holy Spirit. He's giving you a new authority. He's giving you the word so that we might proclaim forgiveness of sins and repentance to every person in the world. The disciples are given this new responsibility to give glory to God by proclaiming the gospel to the world. That is what we are here for. That is why God sent his son to redeem you. That is why God has filled you with his Holy Spirit, so that you might do that. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I had lots of jobs growing up. I would have summer jobs. And every summer, my mom would sit me down at the end of the summer before going back to school, and she would ask me what I learned from whatever job I had. And for a number of years, I worked at a golf course doing maintenance. And that first summer, she sat my very tan and very uh, muscular body. Now, it takes a lot for me to get a tan, but being in the sun six days a week did it. And, um, and she goes, son, what did you learn from your job? And I thought to myself for a minute, she goes, and I, and I go, well, I learned that I can do anything to make a living. She goes, that's a pretty good lesson. That's great. What else did you learn? Thought to myself, quickly I said, that I don't want to do manual labor for the rest of my life. She goes, that's an important lesson. If this new responsibility makes you feel like you don't want to do it, like, oh, I don't want to do that. It seems too complicated. I don't have what it takes. Let me point out two things to you. First, go back to the new status. You have what it takes. 
the Holy Spirit is in you. God resides in you if you have put your faith in Christ. You have what it takes. Number two, this comes from the great preacher Charles Spurgeon. He says this, if you find that this is uh, intimidating, a bit daunting, I find his words really helpful. He's talking about evangelism. He says, evangelism is something like this. One beggar telling another beggar where to find some bread. It doesn't have to be that complicated. You don't have, it's great to know the word of God, but you don't have to figure it all out. You're just going, look, if you're up, if you're having a rough time in life, I have found that Jesus has given me hope. And then you invite them into your church or you invite them into your life group, or you just invite them for a cup of coffee on your back porch or a meal. Evangelism, this new responsibility, is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to find some bread. You have a new responsibility, a new purpose, and the Holy Spirit is going to help you to accomplish it. Just the other day, um, as I was praying through the sermon, I saw some photographs on Facebook of my friend Dave Lamont. And Dave and his wife, Wendy, who have been, uh, I was at their wedding, I was friends with them years ago, and we've been uh, just sort of distant encouragers because Dave is in the Air Force and they've been kind of all over the world as uh, he is, uh, as he served. But these pictures were him on the U.S. Capitol, and it was a great day. It was his promotion day. He was being made a full colonel in the Air Force. I was so proud just to see this because he has been such a faithful and good and godly uh, servant and uh, 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 servant in, uh, of our nation and our people. But what I noticed was this. He was an exact example of what Jesus is doing in our passage today. Dave now has a new status, right? He's a colonel. Dave now has a new authority, right? He uh, has been given this through the command structure, right? And presumably, he has new responsibilities. I didn't email him and ask him what they were, but I don't, they don't give you an advancement for no reason, right? He has a set of new responsibilities. Friends, Today, today is your promotion day. It's time for you to be promoted. That's essentially what the resurrected Jesus is saying to the disciples then and what he is saying to you now. It's time for you to be promoted, to take the new status he's given you, and the new authority he's given you, and the new responsibilities that he's given you, and to act on them. See, I don't want to throw away my shot. I don't want you to throw away your shot at truly changing the world. You can leave your mark You can make a difference, not because you bucked up and you did harder and you worked harder like Hamilton, but because God gave you his spirit to do it. There are 7 billion or so people outside of these doors. 
Not immediately. That would be a little, be hard to get home this afternoon. There's 7 billion or so people out there who are hungry and hurting, in need of forgiveness, in need of food, and you know where to find what they need. You actually know where to find a feast, not just a morsel of bread. You know Jesus. And the question is, will you take your shot and help other beggars find him as well? I think you have what it takes. And I want to now take a moment to pray for you to receive the power of the Spirit, to be filled so that you might actually walk in these new responsibilities. I mean, can you imagine if uh, as, as we continue to come together that people are filling this place because their lives have been transformed because you've walked out this new responsibility and you've seen God do the work of saving and giving life. If you want the Spirit to enable you to do that, I want you just to close your eyes. I want you to hold out your hands. Just ask the Lord, Lord, would you fill me with your Spirit? Would you equip me for this work? Father, I do ask, as Jesus promised, to send the Spirit. Indeed, it's because we believe we have the Spirit in you, we have your Spirit in us, but you promised to fill us and equip us for our needs, for your purposes. And so, Father, I now pray that you would fill these women and these men with your Spirit from on high, the power of God, so that they might do everything Because you give them strength. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us. And Father, would you fill this place with your spirit. That your church, the worship and your people and these buildings would be so shining with your glory that people would be drawn to you and have their lives changed here and that they might praise you with great praise. And finally, Father, I pray that you would fill us with, uh, would you draw to our minds those neighbors, those coworkers, those friends, our children who need to know you. And would you... Would you just, through your power and your grace, loving, kind, mercifully, would you help us, would you make us to share the good news with them that their lives may be changed? Lord, come blow through here with a new wind of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.